Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So, I'd like to thank Greg and James for inviting me to speak today because um, it's a real honour for me to stand before my wonderful brothers and sisters. And um, I'm daunted, but I'm actually very excited about what God wants to say today because it's something that he's been putting on my heart for quite some time. And today I want to talk all about joy. Hurrah! Joy! And I'm not the joy that the world knows about, which is sometimes a bit self-seeking and hedonistic. I want to talk about the joy of the Lord that is available to us, the believers. Because today we live in the age of the kingdom of God. I want to talk about joy we have because the kingdom of God is here today. Amen? Amen. It's here. Now some of you may be thinking, well, isn't the kingdom of God that place we call heaven? We go there when we die. Yes, it is. There's that place of perfection coming where we'll dwell with God for eternity. But actually, I think that there are probably, I've met too many Christians who are unaware or not wanting to grasp what we have available today in the kingdom of God, not realising it's all here for us, or some of it is here for us today. And we see that in Hebrews 6.5, because it talks of those who have tasted the powers of the coming age. Yeah? And that's very relevant, because the coming age, obviously, that is heaven, that's the future tense, but when it says tasted, it talks of, that's present tense, past tense, present tense. We, have, we can taste something of heaven today. So that's what I want to talk about. We don't have to wait till heaven. Eternal life starts the day we give our lives to Jesus. And it accompanies the kingdom of God. It accompanies God's people. Wherever we go, the kingdom of God comes with us. And we're like shafts of light. Is that a good description? So today, when I talk about the when this, this line in Hebrews where it talks about the powers of the coming age, the powers and the gifts, we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, we're talking about um, signs and wonders, the ability to lay hands on and, uh, people and heal, and the fruit of the Spirit, one of which is joy. So that's what I'm going to concentrate on today. So how can we be joyful? Well, let's start by praying. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus came, that we may have life, and life to the full, you say. Father, I pray that every word I speak today comes from you, and that you will reveal something of your truth and the kingdom of God to your people today. Father, empower us, that we can serve you as you want us to, Father. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So... Um, I have been travelling quite a bit recently and I've been going back and forth through Gatwick Airport. And on one occasion, I came across this advertisement. Oh, it's up there. Well done. So I came across this ad. I'm just going to peer here to look at it. And the reason that this ad struck me, I think you all recognise John Travolta, A-lister, Hollywood star. But what struck me was the heading where he says, welcome to my world. And bearing in mind, when I saw this ad, I was just, it was like a a one minute look at the ad. I didn't really absorb it or think about it. I was on my way to a gate. So you have, you know, about one or two minutes to look at these ads. And so my first impression is he's advertising a watch. And I thought to myself, well, I wonder 
why the jet is there. Why does he put a jet in there if he's advertising a watch? And then I remembered that John Travolta actually is an aviation enthusiast, if you didn't know that. He is a, a, um, a pilot. He's a qualified pilot. He probably owns, if not one jet, maybe several jets. And I also happen to know about John that he has a... This is if I know him, John. Um, he also has a... <laughs> Mr Travolta has a, um, an aircraft hangar in his home. He has a runway. So I thought, that's pretty cool, John. You know, he, he lands his plane, jumps into his Jeep, and he's home in a few minutes. So that's just like us who live on the west side. We can be at the airport in five minutes, too. Um, and the reason I know about all, all this about John Travolta is because I read it in Hello! magazine. So it must be true. Okay? The other thing that happened at Gatwick Airport three weekends ago is Tom and I got caught up in the security scare. The whole of North Terminal was shut down. We were all herded into South Terminal. It was chaos. Um, flights cancelled. Delay, delay, delay. Um, and um, it, th there were various rumours going on, or going around. Some people said there was an unidentified car where the bomb was about to go off. Uh, other people said that a man was apprehended with a hand grenade in his pocket. Strange place to put a hand grenade, really, if you're a terrorist. And somebody else said, oh, somebody was apprehended that had a gun in their luggage. So we didn't know what was true. But the, the, actually, what did happen is we arrived home 24 hours later, which was a nuisance. And I did fleetingly wish that I could hop into John Travolta's world and borrow his jet. But actually, John Travolta's world is not really there when, when you need it. So the following day, uh, my friend rang me and she said uh, she'd heard about the um, security problems and she knew that we were delayed. And she said to me, gosh, she said, how terrible for you. Uh, she was very sympathetic. And then she said to me, you must have been so scared. And she was alluding to the uh, Paris attacks that had taken place the day before. And I was able to respond to her very spontaneously because I said, look, tired, yes, frustrated, yes irritated a little, but scared, never. I told her that my faith makes it impossible for me to be afraid of death. And I think she was quite taken aback. I said, no, I'm, I'm genuinely, I am not afraid of death. And the reason that I'm not afraid of death is because I know where I'm going. And the reason I know where I'm going is because the Bible tells us where we're going. And unlike Hello Magazine, every word in this is true. And, for example, in um, 1 Corinthians 2, it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what awaits those who love the Lord. We also read about heaven and what awaits us in the book of Revelation, in particular 21.4, where it tells us that this place will be a place of no, where there is no pain, no tears, no mourning, no, no night, no darkness, no infirmity. So that said, I actually don't want to die prematurely. Um, I know that I won't because I do believe that God has a great purpose for me over the next 30, maybe even 40 years, I'm hoping. Um, Paul said in Philippians 1.21, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I found that that struck me 
because that's exactly, that applies to us. We live for the gospel, but actually, you know, heaven, we're, we're looking forward to heaven too. Far better off to be in heaven than here. But God, while we're here, does not want us to be miserable. Okay, he, the kingdom of God is here, and as I quoted in Hebrews 6.5, we actually have, he says, we have a taste of heaven if we want it. He meant for us to have joy. We know we'll have the seven-course meal in heaven, but there's a taster for us now. So my question or challenge for you is this today. Is it right for born-again Christians to not be joyful? My first question was going to be, is it possible? But actually, I know it's possible because over the years, I've met a lot of miserable Christians. So I, that's, I had to correct my question. It's, it is possible, but is it right? Okay, now before somebody taps me on the shoulder over coffee and says, no, 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 it's absolutely, Bridget, give me a break. You know, I, I cannot be joyful 24-7, it's impossible. You know, we have to have an exemption for the odd bad day. No, 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 it's just not possible. By the way, if you're thinking that, probably, you know, you're not joyful. That probably is not possible for you to be joyful if that's the way your mind is working. So what I've done is I've concocted a bad day, which I hope some of you might resonate with, uh, one or two of these things that might happen in a bad day. Okay, so I wake up and, you know, we wake up, you wake up, and uh, we're perfectly happy and then we have either a grumpy spouse, grumpy child, grumpy member of the family. Okay? Bites your head off. We were happy until that happened. But that, that happens. And then we get into the car, we go to work, drive to work, and the car breaks down. And did I mention it's raining? Hailstorms, heavy, heavy rain. Okay? You eventually get to work, you're a little bit late, you know, very frazzled because you're late, and frizzy hair because of the rain. And um, you see your boss, and then the little voice in your ear starts telling you, starts speaking to you, says, my, my boss doesn't like me. He's, not, he's treating me differently, and um, I think it's constructive dismissal he's going for. Okay, so this is, this is a bad day. And, um, and then to cap it all, you get home, and your dog eats a toad and almost poisons itself, and you end up in the veterinary hospital at 3.30 in the morning, which is actually what happened to Tom and I a few weeks ago. So there's a bit of truth to the story. So you're probably thinking, well, there's not much to be joyful there. But actually, the Bible tells us otherwise. Um, in James 1-2, he says, God says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that it is a testing of your faith that produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. In John 10, 33, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So God is saying quite clearly, you are going to have a bad day occasionally. You are not, life will not be perfect here. And that's because we live in a fallen world and sin has corrupted everything around us. That's just a fact. And we also have an enemy who's out to challenge our reasons to be joyful. So God tells us it's going to be tough, but he doesn't give us permission to wallow in it. He tells us still to be joyful. So I wonder how we do this. How do we remain joyful 
when we've had the kind of day that I just described? Well, the first thing to do is to look at the example of the early apostles. If you read, if you're not familiar with your Bible, read from Acts through up to the book of Revelation. There are so many examples of the apostles who were persecuted, imprisoned, tortured. Paul talks about being flogged and beaten with rods. He, he goes into some detail about his suffering. And I think there's a reason for that. I think, I think he wants people, he wants the reader, God's people, to know that we have to occasionally suffer. They were, the apostles were stripped naked, they were humiliated, but still they praised God and rejoiced. That's what the Bible says. And by the way, I think there's a danger that we think that the early apostles, the um, great biblical characters in the Old Testament were somehow superhuman, that they were immortal. Yeah, they had some kind of special powers that we, we don't have, actually wrong, because they were as mortal and as inadequate as you and I. So we have no excuse. If um, it was good enough for them, it's good enough for us. Um, when I looked through the Bible and looked for some um, scripture references, there were so many that relate to joy that it would be impossible. You just, you can't possibly read them all out and get out by 12.30. So I'm actually going to read just a few to you. Philippians 3.1. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Do you notice the way Paul is reiterating, he's reinforcing, he's repeating himself. He says again, he uses this word again. And Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Again, he's repeating this. He's really reinforcing this. He says, always. He says, rejoice, not just when you're having a bad day, but actually he's saying, or when you feel like it, by the way, God is telling us to rejoice when, sorry, not just when you're having a good day, I should have said. Don't just rejoice when you're having a good time. He's telling us to rejoice when we're having a bad day. Philippians 4.10 says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. So joy in the Lord cannot be taken away from us. However, I suppose we can avoid it if we choose to. That's, that's our decision, whether we choose to be joyful or not. And here are some of the pitfalls. I just want to talk about some of the dangers when we are not actually claiming and grasping our joy in the Lord. Absence of joy can lead to negativity, a very negative mindset. And negativity can become a breeding ground for all sorts of things, for uh, discontent, for um, criticism, for, for gossip. You soon find yourself in a place that's actually quite dark. And I think negativity is contagious. When you have someone negative around you, you know, you're breathing in their air, you, you really want to get away from them. I think it creeps into the psyche. It's very, very, it's very subtle. And it's learned behaviour, and I think it can be generational. I think if we don't break that cycle, we will pass it on to our children. Absence of joy rarely encourages others. And it's so important for us to encourage other people. And I must say, this is a church, and you know, I don't want to sound too glib, but this is an amazing church 
or body of Christ who encourage one another. I really do think that. With the people here who are so encouraging. And also, when you encourage people, actually what you do is you empower them. You know, you, they have confidence. You build, they build them up. They are edified. And the Bible is a book of encouragement. The absence of joy rarely smiles. Do you notice what my face, I, whether I look joyful or not? Yeah, I think I, I hope I do. So when I say the word joy, you know, I want to automatically smile because joy is all about from within. It's your heart is singing. You smile because it's coming from inside. And I've discovered this week you can't fake real joy because I've been practicing my fake smile all week. <laughs> and it goes something like this. I'm wondering if I can do it now. It goes something like this. <laughs> Edit that. So you can't, I realise you can't, <laughs> you can't fake it. Yeah? Interesting. And we've all um, worked with those perennially, perennially grumpy people. I can't be the only one that works with people who are grumpy, not just day in, day out, but year in, year out. And, you know, one day, have you ever experienced this, where this person who's uh, grumpy, they have grumpy on toast for breakfast, grumpy sandwich for lunch, <laughs> grumpy with meat and potatoes for dinner. I mean, it's just grumpy all day long. And they, um, one day they smile, and you go, oh, you go, oh. And, and I remember thinking of one lady saying, actually, she's really rather pretty. And, a, you know, a guy that I used to work with, I thought, you know, he's really quite nice. So we can choose. And Philippians 2.15 says that we should shine like stars in the universe. And, you know, it's the easiest thing in... Oh, actually, no, I must go back before I come on to that because this is the most important thing about being joyful. That if we actually do not have joy. What sort of message are we communicating to a world who needs Jesus, who needs the gospel? Because, you know, it would be easy for a non-believer to say, to, to look at a, an, um, a, a Christian who uh, does not have joy, who is miserable, to say, well, actually, um, you can keep your Christianity. Is John Travolta still here? Could you put it back onto John Travolta for a minute? Yeah, so I could, I think a non-believer could be forgiven for saying, no, I, I, I think I, you keep your Christianity. I prefer John's world. I think I prefer John's world, because at least he's looking rather pleased with himself. And he has a nice watch. So we have a duty to be joyful, actually, do we not, for the, for the world? We have a duty. And it's the easiest thing in the world to uh, find something to complain about. You know, the glass half empty, to take a negative perception, perception about something. Um, and I think sometimes these perceptions are misguided. I was thinking about when I first came to Jersey and um, I was in the town centre. This, this was 2010, 2011. And, uh, and I was in town and a gentleman thrust a petition under my nose and said, would you sign our petition, which was a petition against GST going up from 3% to 5%. Well, I told him that I wasn't a Jersey resident. I said, I come from the UK. And I had to stop myself from saying, but actually, 
VAT has just gone up to 20% there, so I think you're doing pretty well at 5%. And so it's all about perception. We always think that what is going on in our lives is, it doesn't make it right, by the way, before anybody says to me, GST, 5%, as probably still think that's bad. But I think sometimes we think we're so hard done by. Yeah. And it's about perception. Right. I, I wondered if God could speak in modern parlance, whether he'd say, get over it. You know, get over it. <laughs> Stop looking at the negatives and start praising and be thankful and get joyful. I also had an experience where um, we had a couple of bicycles stolen from an underground secure parking um, area when we lived in St. Helier. And, um, you know, I, I just kind of put it out of my mind. They've gone, they've gone. I didn't really give it much thought. But one or two people around me got rather bent out of shape on my behalf. And... When I think about, think about today, the people here in this room who come from countries where there is terrible suppression, government and political corruption, violence, brutal violence. Think of the parts of the world where we, you cannot even go and worship freely. Think about that. And then am I going to get bent out of shape over a couple of bicycles? No. So what do we do when things go wrong? How, how do we... Oh, by the way, the bicycles got stolen because I didn't lock them up because somebody told me that Jersey was so safe. <laughs> so I, it was my fault that both bicycles got stolen. So <laughs> they never got stolen in UK. <laughs> so on our worst day, we should be joyful. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And the thing is that when we're joyous, actually, um, the person who benefits is ourselves, ironically. So what do we do when we're in a bad place and we want to get joyful? How do we become joyful? Well, the first thing we do is start praising God. When you praise God and you lift your voice praising God, God inhabits our praises and he will come into that situation. And some of you may be saying, well, how, how do we do this? How do I praise God? Well, just that. Just say, Lord, I love you. I praise you. I worship you. You are sovereign. I praise you. And keep repeating it until the joy floods in. And let me tell you, from my experience, it, it absolutely happens. Every single time, every time. That's a promise from God, that he will inhabit your praises. Sometimes read some psalms. You know, if you, if you don't have the words, you can just march around your living room and read some psalms. Rejoices, rejoicing focuses our minds you know, on the good things in life as well, to think of the good things. I'm going to replay that bad day that we had. I'm going to do Groundhog Day. And I'm going to replay it in a way where that bad day actually turns into a joyful day. So I think we started with the grumpy, grumpy member of the family, woke up, grumpy spouse, grumpy children. I, I, some of you are really not going to like me to saying this, but I've, God revealed, I can say it because God revealed this about me a while ago. That sometimes, have you ever thought that our own 
attitude and behaviour. Other people's behaviour is mirrored from our attitude. Does that make sense? I'm not sure if I've said that the right way. It's quite complicated. The behaviour of other people mirrors us. Have you ever thought about that? If I'm aggressive, they may be aggressive. If I'm angry, they're angry. And it's something to watch out for. I'm not saying it's always the case, but think about your behaviour, because God showed that to me about me, so I can, I've taken that one on the chin. The other thing you can do, grumpy spouse, grumpy children, pray for them. Start praising God and pray for them. Change the atmosphere, change what's going on. You can change what's going on around you. Uh, the car breaks down, I think the car broke down next. Um, now, that's funny because I did hear a clunk in my car two weeks earlier, but I didn't bother doing anything about it. How many times does something happen, but actually you could have dealt with it, but you didn't have time, or maybe you didn't have the money, or maybe you were just lazy. So sometimes things happen that actually, you know, it, it, we, can, we have to look at ourselves. Um, the next thing, oh, the rain, the rain. Well, we do want, you want green grass, yeah? We need rain, so we shouldn't ever complain about the weather. And then the boss, yeah, what can we say about the boss? Well, um, I've experienced this with clients, you know, where clients, suddenly someone's attitude change in the workplace, and, I, and I've, you, your, your tendency is to always think it's about you. But actually, I have had an experience where somebody's attitude did change towards me, and this is in a business context, and I only found out later there were all sorts of things going on in his life. And the constructive dismissal, well, actually, maybe that's happening to him. And as Christians, we can, again, it's about praising and praying into that situation and asking God to reveal something to you. If you're not comfortable, ask God to show you what is going on in that situation. Don't just have a bad day. What was the last thing? Oh, the toad, yes. Right, the dog eating the toad was fairly and squarely our fault because... We knew that there were toads in the garden and we just allowed the dogs to go out because we were too lazy to go and watch them. So that was partly our fault. Do you know, your bad day can change just by having a different mindset. We can pray for them because we're in the kingdom of God and we have that power and privilege. We can change things. I'm going to bring this to a close now. Um, and I'd just like to tell you some of the things that I... I share with you what I feel I have to be joyful of in my life. I am joyful when I wake up and it's a beautiful sunny day and the sky is clear, clear blue. There's a reason to be joyful, isn't there? And it's a beautiful day. I can be joyful because I am loved. Not just by God who loves me unconditionally, but I am loved by my family and friends. I can be joyful because I have love to give. I can love others. I'm not isolated. I, we have this wonderful church family. Yeah? And lastly, I'm, I'm joyful because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's something to be joyful about, yes? And 1 John 2 says, do not love the world 
The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And I'm going to pass back to James and Greg now, just with the words of Nehemiah, if we just close with this piece of scripture, who said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.